welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our series titled The Coming King with a message on our assignment of influence. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Can we welcome our campuses at South Shore and Plant City? What's up? How are you guys? Amen. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. We pray that as we leave here, we've been impacted by the word and we would be changed. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen and amen. Delighted that you are here. Those of you who are online as well. Some of you are still clapping at the Tampa campus. That's awesome. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. It's a good day. It's a good day. We're in a series called The Coming King. We want to affirm Christ's reign, not just in the past, but here, today, and now. We're talking about our assignment of influence today, and I want to open with this little story. In the years 1014 to 1035, there ruled over England a Danish king named Canute. And Canute, tired of hearing his retainers flatter him with extravagant praises and about his greatness and his power and even his invincibility, he ordered his chair to be set down on the seashore where he commanded the waves not to come in and go out again as the tide continued to rise. No matter how forcefully he ordered the tide not to come in, however, his order was not obeyed. Soon the waves lapped around his chair and later engulfed him. One historian tells us that subsequent to this event, he never wore his crown again, but he hung it on a statue of the crucified Christ because no king has ever commanded the wind and the waves and they've obeyed him except Jesus, who is the Lord. Yeah. Only Jesus. You remember the story, right? The apostles were saying, what manner of man is this that commands the wind and the wave and even they obey him? He is a certain kind of king with a certain kind of assignment. And we are a certain kind of people with a certain kind of assignment. The certain kind of king comes from Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. We're familiar with the passage, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called wonderful. Come on, say it with me. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. That is the king we serve. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's very important that we understand that he ruled from David's throne and then came from the line of Judah. That's why the book of Matthew takes such pains to go through all the generations to connect Jesus to David and to Judah. It's very important that we understand this king that came as God poured all of his deity into humanity. I think it's interesting. Peter J. Daniels, a Christian billionaire, those two things go well together, don't they? A Christian and a billionaire. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. God is good. God is good. A Christian billionaire commissioned a team of historians to, reach, uh, to research the Magi and the gifts they brought to Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem. Their conclusion was that not just three kings came to Bethlehem, but 300 kings came, and the gifts that they brought would have amassed in today's dollars something like $4 million. So we think gold and incense and myrrh, and, but these were very, very costly gifts. It also goes on to say that in the Persian records that an army attended these 300 kings that came to give Jesus his gifts, and that's where 
We get in Matthew chapter two, Herod being afraid that a king had come because they thought he was invading Jerusalem. And so this began to tie into scripture. He is the king of all kings and he is the Lord of all lords. Can I get an amen? This is the Jesus that we serve. But he wasn't just the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was a particular kind, a certain kind of king. He was a servant king. And you see in the scripture that he came in humility. He came as a child. I, I don't know about you, but if I were the king, I wouldn't come that way. I would come with F-16s and a giant party. Amen? Uh, we, we don't know kings like this. He is familial and personal and relational, and he's the king of an eternal kingdom. Its foundation is justice, and we don't know kings like that, do we? Justice and righteousness. The great prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said this, that Jesus was born in a cradle hewn from stone. In other words, he was born in the trough of a manger. He was born in stone, and he was resurrected from uh, a cave hewn from stone. And then he went on to say, he said, God is comfortable even in the hardest places in the world to the extent that he is even comfortable in the hearts of men to take our hard hearts and to soften them and make them hearts of flesh. He is a certain kind of king. Say it with me, servant. servant. Say it with me, servant. servant. King. king. He's a servant king. With a certain kind of Assignment. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to bring the kingdom to earth and that kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you want that for your marriage? Come on. Amen. Some of you, are, some of you have your, both your hands raised. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the things of heaven would manifest on earth. Jesus loved the Father so much that he was willing to serve. Say serve. He was the servant king, the servant king. He's the king of kings, but he's the servant king. He's the servant. He came to serve and even to suffer. Here is a scripture that just typifies the king that we know, this God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the majesty of heaven who served us, Matthew 20, 28, the son of man. And that term is a glorified term. You know, you think the son of God would be a more glorified term, but in the scripture, the son of man is actually exalting more of his deity. The son of man did not come to serve. Come on. Anybody want a high position? Anybody here want a high position? Anybody want to be elevated? Come on. Anybody want to be elevated? Good. Three of you at the Tampa campus. That's fantastic. We are eager for elevation today. God came humbly. The king of all kings did not come to be served. Because when we think about serving, we think about being promoted. We think about sitting on the beach, fanning, and somebody handing us grapes. Come on, you guys. In other words, we have a worldly perspective of servanthood. We have a worldly perspective of promotion. This king of kings, the Lord of lords, who is the highest, the most exalted, the son of man did not come to serve, but to be served. Listen, he came. I said that backwards, didn't I? He did not come to be served, but to serve. Huh? Huh? And to give his life a ransom for many. 
See, I trick myself sometimes up here. There is a, a video, a friend of ours, we're sending out emails to lots of friends and inviting them to Christmas Eve and our services, and there's a great video that was found. We really appreciate it. It's out of Isaiah chapter 53. There's a young Hebrew man who's describing to other Hebrews in Israel that Jesus was the suffering servant. And in their synagogues, for years and years, this, this chapter in Isaiah chapter 53 was read in the synagogue, but a long time ago, they stopped reading because the Messiah that they're talking about is Jesus the one who suffered and died and gave his life for me and for you. And so I want you to see a little clip of the video, just a couple of minutes of him describing. You gotta read pretty quickly, okay? Um, and when you get the email, you're gonna see it's a 10 minute video. This is just a very short clip of that. But the glory of those who live in Israel recognizing that Yeshua is their Messiah. אז קיצר ישימו אותו על דברים שהוא לא עשה, וקיבל על זה. מעניין. הוא מת, אבל לא מוות עם כבוד. קודם כל, האם זה משהו ששמעת על המשיח, שכל הדברים האלה אמורים לקרות לו? לא. זה לא. יש גם את התיאור הזה, לא רק בפסוקים אלה, אבל גם בסחריה, בדניאל, במקומות אחרים. וגם הרבנים העתיקים הבינו שהמשיח אמור לסבול. והוא מחולל מפשענו, מדוכא מעוונותינו, מוסר שלומנו עליו, ובחבורתו נרפא לנו. כולנו כצאן טעינו, איש לדרכו פנינו, והשם הפגיע בו את עוון כולנו. אבל נפצעה בגלל הפשעים שלנו, בגלל החטאים שלנו, הוא שפעל, נענש כדי שלנו יהיה שלום. בזכות הפצע שלו נרפן. כולנו עבדנו קבוצון, כל אחד מאיתנו פנה לדרכו, אבל אדוני הטיל את האחריות על החטאים של כולנו. הבנתי, על פי הפסוקים, כאילו, הוא יספוג את החולי והרוע שלנו, וזה ירפא אותנו, והוא בעצם יהיה בן אדם שנענש, שהוא ייקח על עצמו את כל ה... אוקיי. ייקח את כל העוונות שלנו, ואת כל המחובים, ואת כל מה שעבר. הוא לקח על עצמו את הכל. שכל החטאים וכל הדברים הרעים וכל העונש הכבד, אלוהים כאילו הכניס את זה באדם אחד. וואו! See the glory, and it'd be amazing. Israel is first, church. Israel is first. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of Israel recognized that this Yeshua is their king, indeed? He is. Yeah, come on. Come on. He is a certain kind of king with a certain kind of assignment, and we are, we are a certain kind of people with a certain kind of assignment. Join me in your scripture there, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't it awesome to remember that God has called you out of darkness? Do you remember living in darkness? What a plague. And we, we don't live in that darkness any longer. We live in the light 
of the Lord who is Jesus, who called us into his glorious light. 10, you were once not a people, but now you are a people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You have received mercy. I pray that we never forget how far God reached down to pick us all up. How much grace God gave us when he saved us. You know, we're called to be priests and kings, a royal priesthood. And if you've ever seen a game of checkers, when you buy the game, you'll notice that on top of each piece is the insignia of a crown. That's because each checker was created, like you and me, to become a king, a king of sorts on the earth. Once it's crowned, it has been successfully made it to the other side of the board. It has the right and the authority to maneuver and function at a much higher level than it could prior to being crowned. However, the reality is most individual checkers will not successfully make it to the other end of the board to be crowned because the opposition jumps them and knocks them out of the game. You know, we have an enemy that we face. Wisdom is what we need to be moved by our master so that we can displace the enemy and find our full kingdom potential in Jesus who crowns us as kings, a sort of kings on the earth. That's why we need to pray. Everybody say pray. pray. And we're gonna pray and fast in January and we've been talking about it for several weeks. I want you to see this illustration of the gates and here are the gates by last name. How many of you received an email? We sent an email to everybody. Raise your hand nice and tall across campuses if you received an email. Okay, if your hands aren't raised and you want to pray, you want to join us, then uh, all you have to do is go to this website and sign up. There are the icons for all the gates there by last name, and we'll give you scripture to pray through them. We believe that God is gonna change things in January. Forget January, he's changing them right now. We believe he is. And if you want to, if you'll go back to the other one now, if you'll go back to the gates, if you want to join with everybody else at the crossing and just stand at the gate that's in front of your house, we did it by last name, and begin to pray that God would do something great in your home, in your city, in your schools, that God would do something great in our, uh, in our state. He already is. Thank God for Ron DeSantis in the name of Jesus. Thank God. We just thank God for him. Thank God for him. And that we, that we would, okay, now go back to the other one again. Uh, this is a little exercise for those of you in the booth. Love you. Uh, uh, if you didn't, so what we said is for the first 200 people that sign up to join with us in the fast and praying, the first 200, we would give a free book, um, Invading Babylon. We would give you the free book. Uh, I, I, I mean, we just did it a couple of days ago. 200 people already signed up. And so now the books are available for just a small price. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, go on back, if you would. We, order, we can order more books, church, okay? We were surprised. We, we didn't think that 200 people, we should have more faith than that, shouldn't we? We just, I mean, 200 people just immediately responded to the emails and said, come on, let's go. I'm gonna get the book. I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna pray at the gates. We believe that we have to displace the enemy at the gates in order for us to find our place in Christ. We have to displace the enemy. We are a certain kind of people with a certain kind of assignment. The kingship that the Lord gives us is a servant kingship. We need to be very, very careful with this because in our humanity, we'll mess this up just like the disciples did. Luke 22, 24. Also a dispute arose among them to which, and uh, let me slow down a second. Luke 22, 24. 
Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. You know, we talk about uh, ruling and promotion and a kingly sort of effect on the planet, and immediately our minds go to something that is just secular, it's not sacred. And the Lord says in 25, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. That means they benefit from them doing the work. 26, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who, say it with me, the one who, the one who serves, the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? Jesus, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, is at the table. And if you'll remember prior to this scripture, he took a towel and he washed their feet. Has, when's the last time you washed somebody's feet? You guys are like, mm-mm, feet are not for me. Right? And they were open open-toed shoes, they wore sandals. Their feet were filthy, their feet were dirty. And the king of all kings in submission and humility washed their feet and he's saying, you guys are having an argument about who's the greatest at the table. And so Jesus, in all of his goodness, and he's just so awesome with his words, he was like, I think the greatest among all of you is at the table. You get the picture? And I just washed your feet. And so if you wanna be the greatest, if you wanna have a kingly influence on the earth, do what I do. Be a servant king. Be a servant king. And he said, but I am among you as one who serves, 29, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me. And I'd like everybody who's here, South Shore Plant City, come on, you guys join in. If you're online, you say this as well. You'll see it on the screen. Here we go. Royalty is my identity. Come on, every voice. Royalty is my identity, but servanthood is my assignment. Royalty is your identity, but servanthood is our assignment. And servanthood means that we do not think we are greater than others. We subject ourselves to the glory of God, in the glory of God, to serve the greater good. And if there's a group of people called Christians in the world who would live that way, we would turn this world upside down. We would turn it right side up if we just get this right. We need wisdom, church. We really do need wisdom to move forward in these things, to affect the mountains of the world, to influence them. The Bible says this in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him or to her. If you lack wisdom, go to God and he'll give you the wisdom that you need. He says, when you ask for the wisdom, don't be double-minded. In other words, when you ask for wisdom, say to God, God, that's the rest of the scripture, it's not written there. God, I'm asking you for wisdom and then I'm not gonna doubt that you're gonna give it to me, I'm gonna believe that you will. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna believe that you will. And I'm gonna believe that what you give me is what I can follow and that you will put your grace behind it. James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, there's two kinds of wisdom. One comes from bitter envy and selfish ambition and the other one is godly. He's distinguishing these kinds of wisdom. Because you can win in the world with the wrong kind of wisdom, church. God says, I want you to win with the right kind of wisdom. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts and uh, boast about it or don't deny the truth, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly and unspiritual. It's of the devil. He just calls it what it is, 16. 
For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Come on, church. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It is submissive. That's a word that is hard to say. Say submissive. We're like, <laughs> full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace and raise a harvest of righteousness. God says, if you want to impact the world, do it this way. He is a certain kind of king with a certain kind of assignment, and we are a certain kind of people with a certain kind of assignment to affect the seven mountains of influence. And if we're going to affect, how many of you want to change the world? And, and, and listen, before you raise your hands, okay, I know some of you are going to like shoot your hands up and wah. How many of you want to change the world for Jesus and really make an impact and have significance in this world? Okay, come on. I think that's all of us. I think that's why we're here. Not just to have resource, but to have significance as well. Okay? Uh, lots of times we mess things up and, and we're just going for one thing. I believe God has called us to influence all seven of these mountains. And if we're going to do it, we really, if the church is going to be a beacon in this church, we need to saturate ourselves in the righteousness of God. We need to find God in a way that people in the church recognize and say, man, they're walking with God. That is very, very special. We need to love one another. Take a look around South Shore Plant City. Just look to your left, look to your right. Just take a look. Just take a little gander. Look at the mixture. Just look at the variety that we have in our culture here at the crossing. Come on. Look at the diversity. Church. We, we've got to find a standard of holiness and we've got to find a standard of love. And then we've got to love one another, not just our brand and our church and our thing and not just your family and, and your brand and your thing. We've got to love one another. And if we do, the church will stand up in its glory and others will come to that grace. They'll come to that grace. I, I believe the influence isn't hard. It's, let me say this, it's not complicated, but it's more difficult than we think. It's not complicated. It's simple to say it, but then to be a people like that, God wants that more than anything in the world. In a family, if, if, how many of you want to influence other families, okay? If you want to influence other families, it's pretty simple. You just need to be healthy. <laughs> be healthy. Be healthy in your marriage. Be healthy in raising your children and don't be hidden. And if you're healthy and you're not hidden, you'll influence other families. And, and what I mean by not hidden is if you're healthy, please just step forward and just, just have the heart and the hands to say, I'll show other people what this looks like. And to those who are healthy in a family, you think, doesn't everybody do, doesn't everybody do these things? And the answer is no. Because everybody who's married and raising children, we all want to know what does it look like, right? We don't have a lot of great models out there healthy and not hidden. And I want to give a shame, a shameless plug for our re-engaged marriage ministry right here in the name of Jesus. If you need help, if you need help, we're here. And, and man, there are models that we can follow and God is doing an amazing thing and re-engage. And, and so listen, if you, if you don't have solidarity in your marriage, you can't have solidarity in your family. God wants us to start right there. If we're going to influence education, some people say that media and arts are the things that influence our young people more than anything else. And I'd say, no, I think it's our educational system. In our educational system, our Western mind thinks that reason is the only verifiable place to get to truth. And so what happens is the supernatural is subjugated to ignorance. 
And, and I want you to know that God has a different way for us. God wants us to be in education. People go, you know, I'm gonna follow Jesus. No, go to school. Amen. Go to school. Go to school and be the best in your class. Become an educated educator. Because, come on church. Listen, when, when we, fideism, fideism is just saying, I'm gonna follow Jesus. We need to follow Jesus and know the principles of the world so that we can deconstruct secularism. We have to have the grace of God back into this mountain. And I believe, how many of you are in education across all of our campuses in education? Raise your hands real big. If you're in, come on, let's cheer for them like we've never cheered before. Come on, church. Listen. I, I, uh, I really think, I, I think God's doing a special thing at our church, and I think that we can influence the mountain of education in a big way. That mountain, if, you, if you're with me, that mountain really influences all the other mountains in raising our children in a certain dimension. We really need, we, we need our teachers to be paid more. We need them to be paid more. We need to give honor where honor is due. In other words, we need to honor a third grade teacher as much as you do a pastor of a large church. We need honor. We need to bring it back into our culture to change the culture. Skip this government one here in just a second. Go to media, and when we think about media, we just need for the standard of truth to be the standard of truth again, don't we, church? We need, in other words, this, if you want to affect this mountain and you're in this mountain, standing for the truth is a huge beacon of light. Truth is, uh, it is standardized. You, you, we can know what truth is, and the party would not trump. <laughs> Didn't mean that. principle. I'm not going to, you guys are baiting me. I'm not doing it. You guys are baiting me. So that, so what's happened is that truth has become for sale and truth is verifiable across 40 party platforms, 40, 40 poopers there. It's, it's verifiable across, across platforms. See, I'm still trying you guys are still trying to trick me right now. And it's not for sale. And if someone in this mountain of media would just say, I will not fall to the pressure Amen. of falsity, I won't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report what's true. I'm going to write what's true. I'm going to say what's true. And, and we need to get behind organizations and people that have that kind of integrity. It's really a big deal. It really matters. There are six, only six conglomerate media companies that control more than 95% of what we read and what we see and what we hear. There are six. There are only six of them. That's why we have, we, we're having this idea like, how are they saying, how is everyone saying the same thing at the same time? Because all of them are the same. They're the same six companies that really control every, say everything. everything. And I mean everything. Everything that comes up on your phone, comes up on your TV, comes up, comes up on the internet, comes on you know, your AirPods, everything. Whatever it comes, whatever kind of media that it comes, it's controlled by six conglomerate organizations. And we need influence to change this mountain by just standing on what is true. Truth is still true. Truth is still true. When we talk about arts and entertainment and, and uh, sports is in here as well, the big need in this mountain, if we're gonna change an influence, is morality is morality. Hollywood preaches about morality, but there is none. 
There, there's, and, and so if someone walks into this mountain and has creativity, I want you to think about this, the most creative place in the cosmos, and I don't mean just on planet Earth, Earth I mean the cosmos, all the sun, the moon, the stars, the cosmos, all the most creative place is in heaven. And there are sounds in heaven that the earth has never heard. And I want to release today dancers and singers and artists and painters and to be here at the crossing and all of our expressions to show people what it means to serve God and to have morality while you do it. Because there's an influence that comes from the stage that just, you know, if I showed you some stuff, you know, you'd be disappointed in it. And I, and I want you to know, listen, there's, there's, we haven't lost our hope in art and entertainment. We just need to get into the mountain and hold our morality. When we get into business and science and technology and big tech has become a, a big deal. Big tech. We, business. We need to say to business people who are making lots of money, listen, it's okay to make a lot of money. Come on, somebody. Come on, church. Can we thank God? Listen. It's okay to have stuff as long as stuff doesn't have you. In other words, there really is a precarious position with stuff because we can end up worshiping stuff. And if somebody's in business and you're climbing the ladder, you're doing really well, you can earn a lot, but you're blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed to amass stuff. That's not God. You're blessed in order to be a generator for other people and to have ideas and creativity. And the church is often known for the places where we get stuck. I want us to be known for ingenuity and creativity and, and moving. You know, wouldn't it be awesome? Could you catch a vision if you're a business person and say, can I take another 10 people who are in my city and find their creativity and then help them by supplying them and then let them multiply? In other words, can I generate generators? What we need in business is we need people to manage the resource so that there will be multiples and multiples and multiples. The world knows how to, to do this. The church isn't very good at it. We also need to have science in the right place. Science is made to serve man. Man does not serve science. Let me say this again. What we're going through right now, and, 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 and again, I can get, this will get real sticky. Science is made to serve man. Man does not serve science. God is still the God of science. And so where science needs to prove the viability of reason. All right, let me come back over to government. Oh, I'll save this one for last. And really, they need more, most of our prayers because of the principalities that they face and, and, and the world the really, 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 really the largest principalities in the world, I believe, are, uh, you know, in Washington. I, I really believe that. And many well-meaning men and women uh, bring their dream of just leading and helping and developing good systems for people. And, and they leave it on the altar of intimidation because of a vote. And what we need to change this culture, if you're in this mountain of law, government, and we need people who really, really start to study the fear of man, because we need people, I just got, just, I just got some reverberation go through my body. We need people who say, I fear God more than I fear man. I fear God. And, 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 but listen, let's appreciate there's a tightrope to walk because we've got to grow in the favor of men and God. That means we have to please men in some form or fashion. Why? Because there has to be an output that is equitable for everybody to follow. Are you with me? 
In other words, you got to be doing the right thing for a group of people in order to move, to advance in this kingdom. But you have to do it while you're pleasing God. You can't please man and displease God. They have to walk this tightrope. And Lord, we just, we pray for our politicians. Then I'm going to end this little section with a joke. Okay. You ready? (laughs) What do you get when you ask a politician to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Three different answers. (laughs) Proves my point. We, we need grace, don't we? We need wisdom. And wisdom can be defined by these three things. We need wisdom, church. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. We need wisdom. We need integrity and creativity and excellence. We need integrity. We need to bring back integrity into all the things that we do. Would you put the mountains back up a second? Um, here, here's what I want to say this, and then I want to go to these three things, integrity and creativity and excellence. Listen, everybody has a pulpit. Do you know that you have a pulpit? We, we think... But pastors are the ones that have pulpits and we gather people and, you know what I mean, and comb your hair a certain way and wear a certain thing and say a certain thing. I want you to know that there's only a few of those in the whole United States of America and even in the world. There's just a, there's just a few. Everybody say, I have a pulpit. So whatever mountain you live in is where your pulpit is. And your attitudes and your actions and your belief, every person who knows Jesus, when you're saved, everything about you gets saved. And so everything about you should be legitimizing the kingdom of God, or we shouldn't be involved in it at all. Come on, church. Are you with me? You have a pulpit. You have a pulpit. And, you know, oftentimes we say, preach the good news of the Bible. And if you have to, use words. Come on, did you get that? Preach the good news of the Bible. Live as a Christian and people will ask you about who you serve. Integrity. Integrity, creativity, and excellence. We need wisdom. And wisdom is founded by integrity, creativity, and excellence. During his time as a rancher, Theodore Roosevelt and one of his cowpunchers lassoed a maverick steer, lit a fire, and prepared the branding irons. The part of the range they, uh, the steer was caught on was from another man, uh, Gregor Lang one of the Roosevelt's neighbors. According to the cattleman's rule, the steer therefore belonged to Lang. As this cowboy applied the brand, Roosevelt said, wait, it should be Lang's brand. Eh, that's all right, boss, said the cowboy. But you're putting my brand on his cow, Roosevelt said. That's right, said the man. Roosevelt said back to the man, drop the iron, get back to the ranch, and get out. I won't be needing you anymore. And then he said this, A man who will steal for me will steal from me. A man who will steal. Listen, church, church, listen, our integrity is the, are the tiny, the small things that we often pass by. We say, ah, I just do this little thing. Ah, I just, it's just a little thing. How many of you heard this? It was just a little white lie. Some of you, yeah, all lies are lies. And when we build, you know, you build up. The Titanic did not sink because it ran into an iceberg and it, you know, one giant thing and just cavorted the whole ship and it goes down. There were actually small slits in each of the four caverns of the Titanic, small ones and the size of the ship. And because all four baffles had been penetrated, the entire ship went down. And so what God is saying to us is he's saying integrity matters more today than maybe it has ever mattered in history, church. If we could just find people, you know what I mean? If you could just find somebody to show up and do the work, right, church? Come on. Come on. Just show up and do the work. Do it. Be integrous. 
Say what you mean, mean what you say. We'd have creativity, creativity, integrity, creativity, and excellence. That's what we need in wisdom. You know, when we think about creativity, we, we tend to picture a composer, an artist to work on a masterpiece, but creativity is simply a new approach to anything. Creativity is just a new approach to anything, and I pray as you pray, as we pray that God would give you wisdom, he would download to you, he would encourage you, and the little tiny things that you think of would be things that change the world. Earl Dixon, an employee of Johnson & Johnson, married a young woman who was accident prone. What a blessing. Johnson & Johnson sold large surgical dressings in individual packages, but these were not practical for small cuts and burns. Dixon put a small wad of sterile cotton and gauze in the center of an adhesive strip to hold it in place. Finally, he, uh, tired of making up these little bandages every time was needed, he got the idea of making them in quantity and using a crystalline fabric to temporarily cover the adhesive strip. When the bandage was needed, the two pieces of crinoline could easily be peeled off, producing a small, ready-to-use bandage. So he married a lady, and she was bumping into things, and he thought, let me have an idea to help her. And I don't want to say this to you. Listen, creativity comes from trying to create something that might help you, but it helps everybody else. Come on, church. That's where creativity comes from. The firm's president, James Johnson, saw Dixon put one of these homemade bandages on his finger. Impressed by its convenience, he decided to start mass producing them under the name Band-Aids. What? Dixon had been looking for a small way to handle small problems and in the process invented a world-changing product. A world-changing product. How many times do you stumble on things? My wife says all the time, we're going to take that idea and we're going to go on Shark Tank. <laughs> I said, just go. You know what I mean? Let's do it. But oftentimes... We're so busy, we don't follow up on those little things. And I want to release to all of us right now, I want to release to us creativity, ingenuity, the grace that comes from God. Amen? We need creativity. We need creativity. We need integrity. We need excellence. We need excellence. In his book, Excellence, John Gardner said, some people have greatness thrust upon them. Very few have excellence thrust upon them. They achieve it. They don't achieve it unwittingly or by doing what comes naturally. They don't stumble into it as a course of amusement. All excellence involves discipline and tenacity and purpose. Discipline, tenacity, and purpose. It is said that the great Michelangelo painted the magnificent frescoes on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, lying on his back, I don't know if you knew this, lying on his back for endless hours to finish every detail with great care. A friend asked him why he took so, so much pain in drawing the figures and painting the figures that would be viewed from a considerable distance. After all, the friend said, who will notice whether it's perfect or not? And Michelangelo simply replied, I will. I will. I'll know. I'll know. That integrity that comes from us, to just the, the, the identification with God that lives inside of us. And uh, man, does it seem like to you, does it seem like to you that things are dilapidating in care? Whenever something is built or something is done, uh, people are willing to just slap something on there just to get it done, to go to the next thing, to get paid for the next thing. What God wants us to do is he wants us to take care in excellence. He, he really does. And Martin Luther said this, if a person sweeps streets for a living, they should sweep them as Michelangelo painted and as Beethoven composed and as Shakespeare wrote. That seems a little bit of, that's a, lot, a little bit of a grandeur, isn't it? But if you sweep streets that way, God will promote you, church. God will promote you. Here's what the scripture says, 1 Samuel 2, 8. 
He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. Can anybody get behind that? Come on, church. Come on, anybody get behind that? Let's thank the Lord for that. Come on. Seriously, listen. I believe that's prophetic. And some of you, you come to church today or maybe you're watching online and you don't come from necessarily the right background or the right history or the right college or whatever it is. And whatever you find yourself doing, don't say that that's the lowest place. Say that's the place where I'm gonna exalt God. And when you work unto God that way, he will promote you. And he even says that he can take you from an ash heap to set you with princes. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, church. According to the power that's at work, come on, within us. According to the power that's at work within us. We need these attributes. Let me close with this. During World War II, a church building in Strasbourg was destroyed. After the bombing, the members surveyed the air to see what damage was done. They were pleased that a statue of Christ was with outstretched hands was still standing. It had been sculpted centuries before by a great artist. Taking a closer look, the people discovered both hands of Christ had been sheared off by a falling beam. Later, a sculptor in the town offered to replace the broken hands as a gift to the church. The church leaders met and considered the offering and decided not to accept it. A member of the church said that the broken statue touched their spirit and it reminded them that Jesus has no hands to minister except ours. Except ours. And God is saying to us, I'm the one who brings the inspiration. You're the one who brings the perspiration. I'm the one who inspires. You're the one who does the work. I'm the one who gives the dream. You're the one who lives it out. I'm the one who downloads to you prophecy. You know what we need more than anything in the arts and entertainment and media? We need people who would saturate themselves in the prophetic and they would leave their prophetic prayer closet and they would come with artistry and glory and goodness and display the goodness of God in a way that hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people could not resist. We need to re-inspire the glory of a good God, church. We need to. We need to re-inspire who he is. He's a certain kind of king with a certain kind of assignment, and we are a certain kind of people with a certain kind of assignment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you join me in praying? Join me in praying. Say, Lord Jesus, come on across all of our campuses. Lord Jesus, today's the day. I surrender. I give you my life. I know I have sin, and I turn it over to you. Today is the day. Come on, tell them again. Today is the day. I surrender. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, listen, the very first time. Some of you, are, if you're reapplying that prayer, you're saying, I'm, I'm re-upping. I've trusted Christ before. Or if it's the very first time, on the count of three, the very first time, count of three, raise your hand for us, indicating to us that you're making that choice. One, two, three. Raise your hands. Raise your hands wherever you are wherever you are, saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Today's the day, I see you. Today's my day. Today's my day. I'm not gonna wait any longer. Today's my day. Amen. We hope you enjoyed that message from Pastor Greg Dumas. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossing church. There you can watch all of our messages on demand 
watch services live, and more. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. We look forward to seeing you at one of our Christmas services. For times and locations, visit crossingchristmas.com.